Welcome to the Cables to Clouds podcast. Cloud adoption is on the rise and many network infrastructure professionals are being asked to adopt a hybrid approach. As individuals who have already started this journey, we would like to empower those professionals with the tools and the knowledge to bridge the gap. Hello, and welcome back to your Cables to Clouds fortnightly news episode. Um, We're going to jump right into this one. There wasn't a whole lot of news uh, compared to two weeks ago when we (laughs) talked about all the acquisitions, Um, but we do have a a couple things to cover here for you today. Uh, So Tim, why don't you uh, go ahead and kick us off today? Yeah, sure thing. And just to be clear, this news is not about Fortnite. This is just Fortnightly news. So it's very important for you to clear that. Yeah, clear that up. uh, It's not about Fortnite for for now, right? We might we might start doing whatever season of Fortnite. We'll do our seasonal seasonal Fortnite news as well. Uh, But for now, okay. So yeah, this uh, so the first headline has to do with uh, Frontier Communications, the uh, service provider slash you know cable provider is now adding a new managed service to its portfolio and it's going to be offering Nile. So Nile, the network, uh, network as a service as, as a managed service. So I'm kind of curious how that whole pass through is going to work. But, um, so yeah, uh, for those who may not already, already know, uh, Nile is, it's a, <laughs> it's a network as a service company, but, uh, it's, it's made, uh, uh, what was it like a year or two? I guess I guess it's been a little over a year now uh, since it, beca- it was kind of all over the news as as this kind of new offering. Uh, network as a service means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Uh, Niles yes, take on it. <laughs> Niles take on it is probably closest to what you would actually assume when you say the words network as a service, where uh, basically you, you, they're subscription based, so they own the hardware. Uh, they essentially install the hardware in your location. Uh, license you on a port per user model, um, do all of the, you know, port security and, and, and all of that and basically manage the network for you. So, yeah, and it's, it's all cloud. It's, it's like the cloud based being able to be elastic with your users and stuff. So it's really interesting stuff, actually. Uh, so Frontier is, I guess, going to be like a pass through partner for, for Nile and, and just be able to, you know, add Frontier customers or, or if you as a Frontier customer, you know, want to take advantage of a network as a service type of, uh, business opportunity, you know, you don't have to go straight to Nile. You can go through, uh, Frontier and then Frontier will, uh, go to Nile, I guess, and, and just kind of, you know, put their name on the bill for you. I'm not, I'm not sure how it's going to work so out a, yet. A managed service for your managed service. <laughs> exactly. Yes, how many, as well. <laughs> It's like Inception. How how deep how deep can we go <laughs> on this one? But uh, yeah. So what do you guys what do you guys think about this? It it is kind of cool. Um, like the article reads, kind of you know this seems like it's going to be more aimed at uh, business users, right? Like they provide sure. business networking uh, for people. So it's like an additional. Hey, not only can we provide your internet, we can also provide like all your campus uh, networking as well. Um, so I. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of other MSPs, ISPs, whatever you want to call them, that are going to jump on this train too. So um, I'm, I'm sure we'll see more of this. Yeah, and like, and like you said, 
Tim, like networking as or network as a service means a lot of things to a lot of different people. This is at least Niles is probably the most uh, straightforward <laughs> interpretation <laughs> of it. It's, you know, like we own all the all the gear and, and you know, we provide you a full fledged network and, you know, it's a fully automated service. Right. So um, it's not surprising to see this one taking off. Um, I'm, I'm kind of surprised it was Frontier. I don't I don't know how big. Frontier's footprint is at this point. Um, yeah. And also as a, as an MSP, uh, in that regard as well. Um, so I don't know if they're going to like front end some of the stuff for Nile as well. Um, like how, how that's actually going to work. Um, but yeah, the, I, I guess maybe we should relate this to cloud as well. Cause uh, Nile offers a lot of this through the cloud. Is that right? Um, not the most familiar with their product feature set. Yeah. My understanding is like the dashboard that. Um, you interact with is all all the management is kind of cloud based. Yeah, so kind of yeah, like yeah, that yeah. Meraki style, right? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah makes sense. What's What's interesting about the Nile model is, like I said, it's probably closest to the most pure version of network as a service. Where um, you know, since they own the gear, you know, if a switch breaks at three a.m., they they actually they come out and replace it and like they, you know, or they upgrade it, right? If it's time for a tech refresh, like they're actually going to come out and refresh your tech. So you keep all that off your, your budget seat. So that's, yeah, that's a really interesting way to do it. That's probably a great move for Nile as well, because they can not not so much outsource, but they can have the frontier techs doing a lot of the stuff. Right. Cause I mean, yeah. if you think about that, you know, doing upgrades scale and out, yeah. replacements, right. Yeah. It's scale out of that, the, the human infrastructure to actually replace a lot of this yeah. gear and, yeah. you know, perform the manual labor there. So it's yeah. Good move for sure. Yeah. I think we'll see a lot more of this with the MSP MSP crowd. I mean, it's all, it's like a, it's almost like a tongue and groove kind of a fit really. So mm-hmm. pretty interesting stuff. And uh, I think, I think now we just need to wait and see, how Frontier rolls it out and see how uh, well adopted it becomes as a partner. I assume Nile is doing the same thing, trying to figure out, hey, is this is this our go to market for partners or something like that? Yep, for sure. Um, all right, uh, Chris, you want to move us to the next one? Sure. Um, so yeah, next up we have. Uh, so on the seventeenth of Jan, we saw an uh, announcement from Equinix that they were. Um, releasing something called the Equinix Fabric Cloud Router. So it's basically this service. And if, if you work probably in a, in a megaport-centered uh, shop, you probably got your arms back folded like, oh, ha, 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 Equinix is finally coming to the table because this is something that I think megaport has offered for a while. But um, so on top of Equinix's fabric, which is basically just a, you know, a virtual fabric that they build that you can leverage as a service between all um, uh data centers that you host within Equinix. Um, they've offered something called this fabric cloud router, which focuses on um, basically the, the way they're leveraging this is cloud to cloud communications as well as hybrid cloud communications. Um, so you have the option to deploy these fabric cloud routers. You can connect them over a, uh, you know, the highly redundant backbone that they built across the fabric. Um, it seems like the, a big portion of this is that um, cloud to cloud communication. So it could be, you know, your your multi cloud environments, you know, pushing traffic from AWS to Azure to Oracle, et cetera, right? Um, so, like I said, this is something that Megaport has had, I think, for a little while. Um, looks like they're getting good aggregation numbers. They're expecting to support up to fifty gigs pretty soon. Um, and like I said, they they have you have the fabric. You know, you know how large Equinix's footprint is, right? And they have that fabric built between all those data centers. So, um, you know, you could be connecting these remote data centers using this FCR, as we'll call it. Um, 
uh, across, you know, multiple, multiple, uh, regions as well. There's a, there's also a, a point in here about AWS outposts being used with this as well. Um, so putting the rack on gear or sorry, putting the gear, um, on site at your location and then using the FCR on the back end, which is, uh, Something I didn't necessarily think of, but um, I'm curious to see how people would be using that in the future. But um, yeah, I think this is a good move. It's uh, probably them playing a bit of catch up, but um, also adding a lot of um, you know feature rich things to their their portfolio for Equinix. Um, how do you guys feel about it? So I don't know the the Megaport side of it too well. I'll be I'll be honest. I've really kind of always kind of ignored Megaport. If I'm being honest, uh, not 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 for any particular reason. It just wasn't relevant to what I was doing. Um, but does Megaport have something like Equinix Fabric? I mean, they're basically, as my understanding is, Megaport basically is just a, a, a virtual overlay port type of of setup, anyway, right? So, do they actually have a a quote unquote fabric like Equinix Fabric or? That is a good question. Um, I can't remember if they have the option for the fabric to build across the data centers, um, but they definitely have, you know, the the local capabilities for building virtual circuits and things like yeah, that. Yeah, that, that part I remember. Um, and the reason I was bringing it up is because, yeah, Megaports had a virtual router, but not backed by necessarily backed by something like the Equinix fabric, which yeah. put those two together. And actually, it's quite an interesting offering. Um, so point. that's that's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I I also don't know much about um, Megaport's solution, uh, but the space just continues to get a bit more and more crowded. It seems like all the time, um, and it's it's interesting because so many companies are at like a different level, or like someone will have a feature that someone else doesn't have, um, and you can you can kind of like see where things are headed. Um, so it'll be it's just another thing to watch, right? In the the cloud networking space. Um, as as things evolve and features get added, and you see each company's kind of unique take on on what this means, on how to connect multi clouds and and on prem and all the different stuff. So it's to me, it's just it's something really to watch out for a lot. And um, like you said, Equinix has a pretty large base already, so we'll we'll see. Yeah, one thing I was look, looking for that I couldn't find was pricing on this because I know at least on the megaport side once you if you try to actually scale this thing out to the level of redundancy that you that you would have on prem um and you're get, paying for it as a, it gets pretty pricey right so um i, I imagine equinix oh, sure. is yeah. um probably going to be in that camp as well um not to say it's not worth it for the, for the capabilities you get and you know the built-in redundancy it's you know it's you're off off uh Offloading that cost of building the redundancy to Equinix, just like you do with your compute in in the cloud, right? Yeah, so it's right. a similar model. So um, it's very well could be worth it, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see the the pricing on this. I probably just didn't Google hard enough, to, if I'm being honest with you. But I, I had a look and I couldn't see it. But um, well, yeah, we'll see where it goes. Or it's hidden. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure. I've seen it either. Actually, uh, I'm very curious because you know a lot of obviously there's other cloud networking providers out there. I mean, hell, we. You know, two of us work for one. Um, you know, uh, just to address that elephant in the room. We've, you know, and you know, Aviatrix has has been partnering with Equinix for some period of time now uh, with the Aviatrix Edge Fabric offering. You know, in addition to the hardware offering. Um, so I'm very curious to see what direction Equinix takes this, and also just like what their um, 
what their velocity is on this. Like today it's a cloud router. Are, you know, how far are they looking to take this offering? Are they looking to build it in security stuff like, you know, Aviatrix has or do some of the application stuff, the application focused um, steering, like really the high level application level focused stuff like uh, kind of like Alkira and uh, Prosimo uh, do as well. You know, like that's, you just, or, you just had, right, you just or make it more managed. Right, like right, or make it more so managed. Yeah, everybody wants an easy button. You know, is Equinix going to go the route of like actually let's make this super easy and try to satisfy the whole thing? Which which brings pros and cons as well. You can make it very easy, but then you can't change anything. Right, it's like it's the constant uh, balance between uh, pushing it away and and bringing it in house. Right. So yeah, I'm very very interested to see the not only you know what the offer looks like in the pricing especially but also what is the velocity of of uh, feature uh, development or is this it is this the feature is this the offer yeah i mean it's the thing is i don't know how much equinix i mean obviously i'm sure equinix isn't going to turn down more more market cap and uh, things <laughs> like that but the the thing is equinix they do one thing one thing very well they do several things very well but they one thing really well, and that's the fundamentals of the infrastructure right it's it's that basic component and i feel like i don't know if they want to get into this you know adding you know right. this kind of uh, added on capability to the actual data plane of traffic right like we own you know where what what's controlling the packets getting from point a to point b i don't know if they really want to add that kind of uh um, this what software they want to move up the shit stack. on top of it. Yeah. Right? So I feel like that's a whole that's a whole uh, can of worms that they could open. Um, but I mean, not to say that they can't do it. They definitely have the the capabilities at some point. But um, yeah, I, I just don't know. I, I feel like they need to stick to the basics. Um, and I think this is this is a, uh, a that's good way their to do that. And and what they should do, and you know, and I'm not saying this because I work at Aviatrix, but really, more like you know, just having lear- been around the industry long enough to learn this lesson, which is, you know, if you are very good at one thing and people buy a lot of that one thing that you do, um, it's usually better to try to partner with people who also have the same do one thing really well than to try to like overtake them and do that other, that thing. Like unless the network, unless yeah. the, the cap, unless the cap is so high that you have, you know, that you can take it and, and you know, win it, it's usually not worth it. Yeah. That, that's the thing though, is like, like you said, to just to <laughs> hit that point home, this isn't at all to do with uh, us working for Aviatrix, but like one thing I can say for sure is if there's one company that I hear very few complaints about that has as much wide adoption as they have, it's Equinix. You don't hear people complaining about what they do. Um, everything is very simple. That's it's true. It's like, yeah. it, 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 there's it no frills works. about it, right? It just works. Um, so, you know, I mean, this, this seems pretty par for the course for them. It's not, uh, it's not, you know, they're not reinventing the wheel. Um, I think them just adding more of that core component that they address. Right. So we'll see. Yeah, Absolutely. All right. Uh, the next one is uh, pretty quick. Um, so Google Cloud partners with Hugging Face to attract AI developers. I know. What a name, right? Um, <clears throat> I actually pulled up their site just because um, I, I'm not an AI expert in any mean, right? Uh, so just to see exactly what they call themselves. And it says, the platform where the machine learning community collaborates on models, data sets, and applications. I guess... My understanding is kind of like a an, an open source, like you know, a place where all these things can be stored, where people can kind of host like, their all all these things. Go ahead, Tim. Well, like a it, first thing I think of is something like a GitHub type of <laughs> you know right. thing, but you for know, like data models and and data right, sets right. and right all that. Yeah. So 
I don't know. I think this is, I, I don't know that it's super significant because I assume everybody's going to either come out with their own marketplace, right? To compete directly against them. Or Some of them already have they will partner with Hugging Face, right? So, right, exactly. So I, I think this is just another thing that we'll, we'll continue to see a bunch more of. You guys got any thoughts on it? No, I think you pretty much covered this. This isn't that surprising. I feel like there's probably going to be more announcements very similar to this in, yeah. in, in the coming, uh, you know, months, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, pretty the, um, unsurprising. The one thing I would add to this, and it's not even necessarily about the specific article, but it's kind of a dark horse type thing is I'm waiting for. So, okay. So, uh, on, on Twitter, um, there's multiple people, uh, who are all saying basically that a lot of enterprises are going to go build their own like AI stack because they have to for compliance reasons and they have to for, you know, for, for, because they don't want their data getting out there. And I personally tend to disagree with this because I think it's absolutely insane. The amount of, of, you know, stuff that's going to be required to build your own AI workloads. What I think we'll probably see, and it's not part, like I said, it's more like a tangent to this. What we'll probably see is the CSP is offering more walled garden type solutions 100%. like this. Yeah. I, Which, I agree with you completely, Tim. And I, I mean, the cloud exists because companies didn't want to manage a data center. You, like, yeah. I just don't see how they want, want to manage an AI right. center as well. Right. Like that's just, even more stuff. So I mean, I, somebody I will. Maybe the government will do. It. I mean, if anybody would do it, the government would, right? Like the federal government would build something like that, right? They got that giant mountain in Utah. But um, for the most most enterprises that that you know, even if they want to keep it or for compliance reasons, and you keep that data separate, you know, the CSPs would be stupid not to offer a walled garden version of of this, basically for them. All right. Um, speaking of, uh, I guess this is kind of related to walled, walled gardens. Tim, you want to you want to head up the next yeah. one? Yeah. <laughs> speaking of walled gardens, or 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 more like uh, chain link fences, really. Um, <laughs> so this is really interesting. Uh, the Biden administration has and it uh, has basically said that they're launching a new federal or trying to get new federal regulation launched to uh, stop China from utilizing. Um, capacity, like compute capacity within America. So they, they're launching this know your customer type of, of regulation to keep China from basically being able to train and advance its AI technology using um, CSP resources like 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 AWS or Google, OpenAI, you know, uh, Azure. And my first question is how? I want to know how they're going to make this happen. So what do you guys think? Um, yeah, I mean... That's a good question. Um, I think that I, I don't think that this was made with with the idea of what it would actually take in mind. I think it was just just to get something. We should out do there, something. Like, we should do this. Yeah. Um, get it in place. Get the framework and the idea out there, and then kind of build the framework and how it'll actually work afterwards. That's that's just my opinion. Yeah, it's it's typical government being out of touch with how technology actually works, right? Uh, absolutely like, it, put the put the stamp on the paper like yeah we should do this like yes. china shouldn't be able to use our technology to to build ai models like well uh, all right i guess <laughs> this is this is like uh someone putting together a design at the top layer and handing the shit sandwich to someone down at the bottom it's like you guys figure this yeah. out right you, you figure uh, out how to make this happen yeah yeah so yeah like uh, i read this and i was like all right good luck <laughs> it's, 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 i'd like to see how you do it I mean, to be fair, I mean, uh, you know, so we 
and and some people don't know this. It, some people in technology don't even know this, but we've had export regulations for things to China for a very long time. Like anybody who's worked at Cisco or, or with Cisco Gear and tried to put anything in China is aware that, for example, you can't get HTEC licensing, like the high the high security, like yeah. high encryption licensing stuff like that, mm-hmm. right? Because they don't want China to be able to steal some of that encryption technology. How effective that's been, I don't know, right? But I'm just saying the actual idea has been there for quite a long time. And, and I, I understand that the idea is that, hey, we don't export these highly advanced, you know, I don't know, chips, silicon, uh, uh, whatever, AI, AI technology, whatever the hell it's looking like, uh, or whatever, more like whatever they think it looks like uh, to China to let them build their own stuff. But I'm very con- confused on how they plan to uh, stop the utilization of, of, of for, you know, for lease, for rent, uh, compute. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. I mean, even the, the article even talks about the chips, like you said. Um, and again, I, I, I do agree with the sentiment, right? Like it's, it makes sense that they would want to restrict it, but yeah, the practical implications, like how, how do you actually do it? That's just, I don't know. It's probably just yeah. one of those things based on like accountability and fear, right? Um, like if, if they can prove that you didn't make any kind of effort to stop oh, yeah, this from gonna... happening, then they can sue you type thing. Um, so I imagine or, that's where the, the, the ball is rolling towards. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. Like you said, I, <laughs> like we, we as, you know, people in technology know how much you can manipulate the system try, to try to do something uh, and make it look like you're doing it from somewhere else, not inside yep. China. It's not that hard. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. So let's just see, I guess, how this one goes as well. I'm curious to see if any actual legislation comes out of this. And if it comes out of it, um, what the actual enforcement, what the actual uh, teeth of the thing will be. Yep. hundred percent. All right. Uh, last one before we wrap up. Um, so this one is kind of timely, right? With the uh, recent news about the uh, acquisition of Isovalent uh, by Cisco. So Bill Mulligan, who's he's like the community manager um, at Isovalent. He wrote an article called The Future of Service Mesh is Networking. Uh, I, I think this is great, right? Because yeah. I always talk about this stuff, how I, I see it all combining and how there's not enough network engineers talking about this stuff. And Bill's not even a network engineer. So it's funny uh, seeing all this coming coming from different angles. Um, but to some, it's a pretty long article. Uh, it's really good if you, if you take the time to read through it. But to sum it up, there, there is a key takeaway right at the top, and I'm just going to read the last one. It's the future of service mesh is as a networking feature, not a product category. Yeah, yeah. And to me, that that makes a lot of sense, right? Because at a high level, I'll just say that um, I was telling you guys this earlier. It, as network engineers, we work like layers one through three or, or four, right? Uh, we don't really go up too much higher in the stack. And service mesh is kind of more about those upper layers, like layer seven yeah. routing. Um, mm-hmm. So just combining that and doing a full stack networking, um, that's really the gist of what this article is about. And I definitely agree. So what do you guys think? No, yeah, I, I agree with your sentiment there. One thing I really liked about the article is he kind of walks through the story um, of how networking uh, got integrated into service mesh or not, not necessarily integrated in network. As we know, networking is in everything. But right, kind of the, right, right. The, the story of how it evolved, right, and how things slowly moved from user space down to kernel space um, and, you know, service mesh kind of took over that layer where, where eBPF is. Right. Um, so that, that was one thing that I thought was really informative to me. Um, so if, if you're kind of not familiar with, um, even eBPF 
life's journey uh, as a whole um, and into the service mesh world, I, I would recommend reading this just because it gives a nice overview of, um, you know, what, what problems were trying to be solved at, at certain layers, you know, in certain, you know, user space versus kernel space. Um, I found that very valuable. So pretty cool. Yeah, um, I think it's great. Uh, I think it's certainly past time that we're compressing the stack so that we can do this kind of networking and pay attention to all the layers. What has stopped us from doing this in the past, of course, is that, um, you know, anyone who's ever run a firewall knows if you turn on, you know, deep packet inspection, you know, you, you tank the, the computing yep. capacity, right? So I don't know if we just got around that with, with this or if, uh, you know, we're not worried about that, like, because, you know, we're dealing with much bigger capacity of, of compute. Like, I'm, I, that's the one that as a network engineer, I scratch my head on a little bit because I agree that, this is awesome. We should have always, it should have always been this way if it could have been. Uh, but I wonder how we've kind of got over the hump where it can be this way. I think it's, I think it's kind of gone the same way that QoS has, right? Like you hear much less about QoS in the days because the, just more the, because the pipes have gotten fatter, right? Uh, there's, you know, there's less concern about that. I mean, QoS is still important, but you know, you're not meticulously like yeah. trying to schedule voice traffic over a T1 anymore, right? Um, That's true. I, yeah, I imagine it's kind of the same thing, but... Hmm. I, I will say that uh, eBPF is magic and uh, <laughs> takes away a lot of the complexity. And you guys know this already, obviously, but for the audience, uh, there's definitely some episodes coming up in the next few months that'll oh, cover, yeah. cover a lot of this yep. stuff in, in some much uh, bigger detail. I mean, I'm going to ask these questions when it's time to ask these questions. That's, that's, oh, cause I know all the, all the engineers, all those engineers are asking this question, right? You know what? We want to know. And thankfully we will have the people on who can answer the questions. So we're, we're very excited. Stay tuned. All right. Well, that will wrap up our, uh, fortnightly news episode. Uh, and we will see you guys next week for a regular episode. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, everyone. It's Alex. And this has been the Cables to Clouds podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. If you enjoyed our show, please subscribe to us in your favorite podcatcher, as well as subscribe and turn on notifications for our YouTube channel to be notified of all of our new episodes. Follow us on socials at Cables to Clouds. You can also visit our website for all of the show notes at CablesToClouds.com. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.